Hi, I'm Phelan Johnson. And I'm Leah Simone Bowen, and we look at history a bit differently. Have you ever wondered how hundreds of wild horses came to inhabit an island in the Atlantic Ocean? Or what Lord of the Rings and a small town in Manitoba have in common? Or the burning question, did Canada invent the teen drama? The Secret Life of Canada is a podcast about the country you know and the stories you don't. New episodes available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. From the month of August onwards, uh, we have been working closely with our American counterparts, with partners around the world, on the very serious allegations that agents of the government of India were involved in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has maintained that Indian government agents were involved in the killing of Canadian Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Nijjar this past summer. Now, there are new allegations of a similar plot against an American citizen. The news coming out of the United States further underscores what we've been talking about from the very beginning, which is that India needs to take this seriously. The Indian government needs to work with us to ensure uh, that we're getting to the bottom of this. This is not something uh, that anyone can take lightly. Our responsibility is to keep Canadians safe, uh, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Ellen Nakashima has investigated this alleged assassination plot in the United States and its connections with Canada. She is a national security reporter with The Washington Post. Ellen, good morning. Good morning. I'll talk about the specifics because they are quite something. But broadly, what did you learn about the involvement of Indian government officials in this alleged U.S. assassination attempt? So the U.S. Justice Department yesterday unsealed an indictment that alleged a plot directed from India to assassinate a Sikh independence activist in New York City this spring. And significantly, the indictment alleges it was an Indian government employee with responsibilities in intelligence and security who ordered the killing. Now, that employee who is not charged or named in the indictment recruited an Indian national named Nikhil Gupta, who was living in India and was uh, whose responsibility in this plot was to hire a hitman mm. to murder the Sikh separatist. Tell us a bit about Nikhil Gupta, because he has quite a background. Well, uh, Gupta was, uh, in, in fact, charged with murder for hire and uh, conspiracy to commit murder for hire. He was, in, um, he was the guy in India who was uh, tasked with finding the hitman. And what he did was find, in fact, someone he thought was a, a real gunman was, in fact, an undercover law enforcement officer working for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. And that plot was foiled in June by the DEA. What do he we, has yeah. been, I just wanted to mention, yeah. he has been arrested and is um, in the Czech Republic in late June and uh, where, where he is uh, being extradited to the U.S., and he he has a record uh, of 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 some note, right? I mean, there is there is a history to to some of his involvement or some of his actions in past. I haven't actually reported out much on Gupta as uh, we were focused on looking at the details of this plot and the implications for uh, U.S. India relations. There are images that have been um, publicized of, of money changing hands in a parked car and what have you. That seems to be some of the evidence that has been released when it comes to uh, hiring this, this hitman. 
Yeah, so uh, Gupta was first actually charged in an indictment uh, in June in New York, in Southern District of New York, uh, where he it was alleged that he uh, had had found someone who was going to pay the hitman a total of a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and he managed to get a first sh- a payment of fifteen thousand dollars to the uh, to the associate, who was in fact also an undercover informant, unbeknownst to Gupta. And I believe that's what the picture uh, mm. of is of him exchanging, you know, hundred dollar bills. Who is the target of this plot? The target is or was a uh, Sikh independence activist named Gurpatwat Singh Panun and general counsel for uh, the New York-based Sikhs for Justice. And that's a group that seeks to carve from India a, an independent state called Khalistan. And Panun is an American and a dual American and Canadian citizen. Uh, and he has been very active and vocal in seeking to uh, uh, advocate for and, and build support for this state called Khalistan out, out of Punjab in uh, northern India. They were seeking to run um, referenda around the world that would uh, build support for such a state. And he's got one that he wants to have, hold in New York City or New York in January. And he he contends that it's that advocacy for Khalistan that has motivated the Indian government to seek to kill him. And and you had and the Post had corresponded with him. What did he say about being at the? I mean, at the end of of this assassination plot, that he was essentially the target. Yeah, I mean, he says straight out, India wants to kill me for running the Khalistan referendum campaign. And he says that he this is all this is an act of transnational terrorism. It's a challenge to U.S. sovereignty and a threat to freedom of speech and democracy. But he says more important than the threat to his life is is the cause for which he's fighting, and he will continue to carry on. How close to completion did this murder plot get before it was shut down by U.S. law enforcement? You know, I, I'd like to know myself uh, exactly how close it was, but all we know, we do know that it was, it was foiled uh, by the DEA in in June, and then in late July, uh, the the White House, you know, Biden administration learned about it and became so so concerned that they started an effort to raise it with with Indian officials at the highest levels, to include President, um, Prime Minister Narendra Modi himself. Mm. You mentioned June. I mean, there was some discussion as the plot developed that this assassination did not happen in June. Why was that? One of the... um, one of the big concerns of the plotters, the conspirators, was they did not want to have an assassination on U.S. soil at the time of a state visit by Modi to the United States, and it was hosted by Biden. It was a very high-profile, lavish affair, and this was roughly uh, around the June you know, 20th, 24th time frame. And the uh, and Gupta and his Indian government uh, co-conspirator did not want to see an assassination that might create big headlines and geopolitical backlash. What so more? That they what more? That, mm-hmm. well, I was going to say, what more do you know about that Indian government co-conspirator? 
Well, the detail, he's not named, but he is said to be an Indian government employee who described himself as a senior field officer with responsibilities in intelligence and security and who uh, had in in the past worked with India's Central Reserve Police Force. Mm. Clearly someone who, you know, has had connections and access to resources. But I should say mm. that the indictment does not directly, it does not allege uh, that the Indian government itself ordered the killing. What was the connection between this murder for hire plan, if I can call it that, um, and yeah. the assassination in June of the Sikh separatist Hardeep Singh Nijar here in Canada? So the the indictment uh, makes ample mention of the uh, of the assassination in June of Hardeep Singh uh, Nijar, which you all have have covered extensively, mm-hmm. and and there's in real. Uh, uh, you know, uh, coincidences of timing here because the um, the 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 two men uh, mentioned talk about targets in Canada and said that there was uh, a really big target in Canada uh, that was uh, they mentioned that right on June twelfth, shortly before Nijar's killing. Prosecutors refer to the killing of Nijar in their indictment, and and note that um, you know shortly before, well, on June eighteenth, the uh, Nijar was gunned down outside the Sikh temple in Surrey, in British Columbia, and then they say in this indictment later that evening, just hours after the the murder, the Nijar murder, this Indian government employee sent Gupta a video clip that showed Nijar's bloody body slumped in his vehicle. And they note that Gupta replied he wished he had personally conducted the killing. Mm. <laughs> and and then they talk about how the government employee texted Gupta saying that the New York assassination was now a priority. But of course, they also took care to say it had to happen, uh, you know, either before or after uh, what is evidently the state visit by mode. Just finally, were, were there other six separatists that were targeted uh, in this murder for hire conspiracy? Well, they mentioned the the indictment mentions that the two men talked about other other many. There were so many targets. They say on the list, and of course, they say both Nijar and uh, Panun were on the on the list. And there were at least uh, there was one in another target in California, and at least three in Canada. Mm. So this is a you know transnational sort of campaign, and in both Canada and the U.S., and goes beyond just the individuals in mentioned. Ellen, thank you very much for this. Thank you so much for having me. Ellen Nakashima is a national security reporter. She's with The Washington Post. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, And for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.
These revelations coming out of the United States, as you can imagine, are playing out in the shadow of this past summer's killing of Canadian Hardeep Singh Nijjar. For more on those connections and where the story might go from here, I'm joined by Richard Fadden, former director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. Dick, good morning. Good morning. When you hear of these revelations coming out of the United States about this alleged murder-for-hire plot, what, what strikes you most? Well, two things. One, I think it adds a great deal of weight to what the Prime Minister said some months ago. I don't think any of us really doubted that there was something behind them, but this really adds weight to it. But also, I think it, it suggests that the geopolitical compass of the Indian state is really off center, and that's worrisome from a whole raft of perspectives, including the West's concerns about China. Tell me more about this and, and what it would mean for the investigation into, particularly into the killing of Hardeep Singh Nijjar, now that these allegations of an Indian government official linked to this murder plot in the United States, that there was not just one target, allegedly, that there were a number of targets. Yeah, I suspect that the, the police in Canada and the United States have been talking about these things under the radar for some time. Uh, I think the advantage that the U.S. had is that they were aware of some of these difficulties and had uh, agents in place who were able to deal with the individual uh, Gupta who was charged with doing the killings. We did not seemingly have a similar uh, situation in Canada with agents in place representing the police. Uh, so I suspect that our investigation in Canada will continue. It will likely draw perhaps a little bit more publicly on what is in the U.S. indictment. But uh, as I said, I think on your show some time ago, uh, it may be difficult to bring uh, you know a case before the Canadian courts in the absence of some of the sorts of information that seems to be in the U.S. indictment. There are some questions being raised um, from members of the Sikh community. The legal counsel for the World Sikh Organization said that Canada had failed, Mr. Nijar, uh, saying, I don't know what happened here, but clearly it's a failure on the part of Canadian authorities. Nijjar being dead is a failure of Canadian law enforcement and security. They knew this was coming. They didn't do anything to prevent it. Given the fact that U.S. authorities were able to prevent this plot from unfolding, is there anything that Canadians, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. but is there anything that Canadians could have done to prevent the assassination of Hardeep Singh Nijjar? I think that's a question that's almost impossible to answer. There is no doubt that there was some concern in part of the Sikh community that something like this may happen. Uh, if I recall correctly, Canadian authorities had discussions with uh, Nijjar and some of his colleagues. But I think what was lacking is what is called actionable intelligence. There was clearly a risk. There was clearly threats. But unless you have something that at least narrows the time and the location of a possible threat, it's very difficult to do something uh, about that threat in terms of protecting the individual being threatened. Now, I'd like to think that the police and CSIS and others are now going back over what they knew and asking themselves whether they could have done something. But you can't have 24-7 protection uh, for an individual on an ongoing basis that lasts forever. You need actionable intelligence, and we may not have had that. When the Prime Minister first revealed uh, these allegations, there was speculation because of the the drama that's associated with an allegation like this, that perhaps Canada didn't necessarily have the backing of the Five Eyes. Is, is that still the case? I think we did have the backing of the Five Eyes, but I think we have to remember that in dealing with things like this, there are the particular transaction that we're worried about, as appalling as it is, and the broader geopolitical considerations that uh, animate not just Canada, but the United States. 
I think the United States, the UK and Australia were supportive. I suspect they were more supportive under the radar. But uh, uh, this has to be looked at, I think, in the context of what the West is trying to do with India. Mm. India is you know, a significant part of Canada's Indo-Pacific strategy. We have close allies of, the, of India over the years as a democracy based on the rule of law. There are beginning to be concerns. If all of these allegations are true, this is not something that a democracy based on the rule of law does. It's something that other countries do who are autocratic, no respect for democracy and the rule of law. So if you put all this together, I think, I think governments, including our own, are having to consider both the general position of India in the world and how we're going to be able to relate to it as we try and deal with these accusations. And I guess the other issue that has not been resolved yet, are these accusations because of a rogue agent, a rogue agency, a rogue minister, or the government of India writ large? Answering that question, I think, would be very important, even though we may never be able to do it in a concrete way. The Indian government's uh, spokesperson has said that New Delhi takes the allegations presented in the U.S. seriously. How different is that response to the one compared to how... India responded to Canada. I mean, we've seen diplomatic ties between our two nations. I don't want to say disintegrate, but certainly fray significantly. Yeah, I think it's day and night. Uh, I mean, I think India is now beginning to uh, relax a little bit in terms of how it deals with Canada. Visas are now available more generally. I think there's some hope that we may be able to return some of our diplomats. But I think this is an illustration of how, you know, from India's perspective, Canada is not the United States. Uh, you know, we're friendly power, but, you know, we're a middle power. Uh, they are much more important in terms of the world economy. They're very important in that part of the world. They may have been somewhat taken aback by the way that the prime minister brought this issue to the forefront. To be, as I think I said on your program some time ago, I really still don't understand why the government felt it necessary for the prime minister to make this public in the House of Commons when a minister could have done it in a different set of circumstances. So that may have annoyed the Indians as well. But India has to deal with the United States differently than it does with Canada. Mm. And I think it just reinforces the view that if we're going to push back on things like this, we have to do it with our allies. And I'd like to think that our the Canadian government is doing just that, if somewhat under the radar. Just finally, in the last minute or so that we have, what happens now with India and in, in our relationships with India? You said in some ways, I mean, given India's geopolitical importance vis-a-vis China, uh, the United States uh, and Canada, what are we supposed to do in the face of these sorts of allegations? Well, I think we're going to have to be practical. I think on one level, we have to continue our investigations. And I think with our allies, we have to make very clear that this sort of behavior is not acceptable. You know, democracies do not do this, particularly to allies. But I also think we're going to have to find a way in practical terms to deal, continue to deal with India. Um, I think it would be best if we did this as part of the Five Eyes or a NATO initiative or whatnot. But I think a part of it will depend on how India responds to both the U.S. and the Canadian uh, accusations. And we don't have, I think, the final word on that quite yet. More on the story certainly to come. In the meantime, Dick, good to talk to you as always. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Dick Fadden was uh, a national security advisor to Prime Ministers Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau, also served as the director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.